Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, hi, my name is Bron. Welcome to the part of the service where we have a look at the Bible and what it says for our everyday life. At the moment, we're in the book of Mark. We're in part two, and it's okay if you didn't catch part one. There's kind of five ways that we're approaching the book of Mark at this time. And the first is topical messages from the passage that we're reading through the week. So if you haven't read Mark, if you're not reading Mark, that's totally okay. This message will stand alone and it's not like you needed to watch the prequel to see the sequel or whatever. Uh, You can just tune in at any point. Uh, In addition to that, we have daily readings that you can be involved in that even if you've never read the Bible before, that you might have a maximum 20 verses to read through the book of Mark each day. It's, uh, it's really simple and easy and, and it's an easy to read book. And um, also as part of that, you can access the devotions if you like. They're both on the app and they're on the website if you click on Home Bible Study. And if you keep your eye on social media, you'll find out how to get there as well. Um, Also, we have our contemplative prayers. Uh, They just take a verse from or a concept from that daily reading and give us time to intentionally still ourselves. Uh, Isn't that a beautiful thought? Just to come into stillness, to be present in the moment, to engage with God's presence and to pray through that passage. Um, Also, we have our e-connects through the week uh, or Bible study through the week, whichever um, fits you better. And that's simply where we take a passage from the weekly reading and we uh, unpack it a little bit. And then finally uh, is the weekly podcast of a deep exegesis, kind of a real unpacking, a deep dive into the whole lot that we've read throughout that week. So I hope you get the most out of the book of Mark. You can engage on any level, but you're going to get the most out of it if you engage on all of them. The thing about that exegesis, it goes for a long time, maybe an hour, but you can walk while you're listening to it. You can listen to half today, half tomorrow, um, and just really spend time in the Word of God and become, you know, almost almost proficient if you can ever do that with the Word of God on the book of Mark. So I want to tell you about our youngest daughter, Kate. Uh, We've got a video that we'll show you. Um, But Kate is our youngest and she just was born with life and enthusiasm and excitement and uh, being the third child, you know, the baby, she was always held up as super cute as well. She is not going to enjoy me saying that. But uh, just really full of life. And, and even Jules, one of um, my dear friends who was our kids pastor at the time, she said, Bron, Katie, she's just, there's something unusually fun and full of life about her. And, uh, and that was how we experienced Katie. So Kate would, uh, she just, you'd ask her how her day was. And even when she was having friendship troubles, apparently in year three, I'd never heard about them because she would always come home and say, great. It was never, yeah, good. Or yeah, it was fine. It was always great was the uh, answer to the question, how was your day? And then as she got older, she would always memorise random facts about things because she, when she got into a thing, she was into it. So she was into Minions, she was into Star Wars, she was into Ranger's Apprentice. She had all the facts laid out for you. They were completely random and of no use whatsoever, but she knew them. And then as she got older and got more and more into reading, she probably just a little bit of that joie de vivre was a little bit tempered, a little bit uh, relaxed and, and maybe just as you, know, you head into adolescence, I suppose. So this one day that was recounted to me because I was not actually there 
was when uh, the family, so Daz and the three kids were in the van and we've got like a full brethren van, like the front seat is 50 metres from the back seat and, um, and Kate was right up the back and that was her preferred seat because she liked to sit up the back with a book and uh, you could be you know, not distracted by any conversation because it was all happening so far away from you. The driver was so far away from you that you could have the back interior light on without disturbing them. So Daz is like, he just loves being with his children. He just, it just, just fuels him. He gets so excited and enthused about it. Um, and the kids and I refer to him as Phil Dumphy because he gets so, he's so dedicated and so excited, but he sometimes seems a bit oblivious to what's going on um, around him with the children. So here he is in the car with the three kids and he's just loving life. That's what he does when he's with the kids. He just, he just feels complete. He loves life. And, um, and so he's just not really thinking about what is going on with Kate and just yells out to her, Kate, what are you reading? And so Kate, um, like head in book, and, and, and you'll understand this if you're a reader, you understand that the question is not what are you reading, it's what were you reading because you have to put the book down to answer the question. And so, but Kate doesn't want to put the book down. So she just, um, without looking up, says a book and Daz yells back out to her, Kate, what are you reading? And again, she said a book. Now, I can identify with this. I don't think it was from a bad heart. I am biased, but you know, I'm a reader. I can't read anymore. I can't read novels anymore because I kept forgetting to feed the children when I did. So I have to wait till I'm on holidays to be able to read. So I, I identify with this problem. She didn't want to engage in conversation. She didn't want to break the flow of what she was reading, but she just simply said a book again the second time. So obviously her father says, Kate, I'm going to ask you one more time. To which Kate says, Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just gets me every time, that story. You might be going, that cheeky little brat. It's funny um, to me. So, so Kate had uh, decided not to hear properly the question because she didn't want to have to fundamentally change what she was doing, which takes us into the passage for today in Mark chapter 4 where it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 10 to 12, where Jesus gives the people four parables and then performs four miracles, which also act as parables. And it says, When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but not perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Like Katie, they hear and don't understand because in order to, if you, had, if you understood, then you'd have to fundamentally change what you're doing so it's easier to not engage and understand. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we do not want to be found those who hear um, but don't understand or who see but don't perceive what's actually going on. Lord, I pray for everyone right now, wherever they are, as they're watching this, whether it's live or later or weeks later or months later or even years, Lord, that you would speak to each and every one of us and that you would drop in the exact word that we need in our hearts at this moment and that we would perceive it in Jesus' name. The passage that we just read is found in the middle of two discourses of Jesus. One is to a crowd. It's, it's where he's actually had to go out onto a boat because the crowd has gotten so big that they can't see him anymore. So he heads out on a boat and sits down and teaches in the boat so that everyone on the shore can see who is uh, giving this discourse. 
and he um, has just had this showdown with the, the, ru- the rulers of, um, of Jewish religion from Jerusalem. And he's had this confrontation with them where they've accused him of something incredibly evil. Uh, and then he's had that misrepresentation and then he's had his mom and his brothers come along and kind of question him as well. And, and he's, he's given this statement of, well, I'm going to do what I've got to do and I'm going to bring the message to the people who need to hear it. And so here he is doing exactly that. And he expounds on this parable, uh, which is more than a story. It's more than a fable with a good moral. It's, a, it's an analogy. It's something um, that, that is supposed to drop into people's hearts. And he, he gives an, a, a parable that an agrarian society would completely understand. He says to them, um, there's a farmer that went out to sow his seed. And we'll take it up in Mark chapter 4, verse 4 to 8. It says, and as he sowed, Some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into the good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Then he leaves it at that. Apart from this statement, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Imagine the crowd at this point. Someone just going, oh, I just love this environment. I love this environment. I just feel so great in this environment. And someone saying to them, what was that ag story about? And they're like, I don't know, but I just love this environment. I'm going to come back next week and just hear what he says again because I just love this environment. And then someone else might say, oh, wow, that was great. And I'm glad it was so short because I've got to get back to work right now. And someone says, well, what, what, what was your takeaway? Quickly, before you go. And they're like, I don't have time to think about that. I'll ponder it maybe when I'm finished my work. And then someone else is there and, and they're like, oh, my goodness, this is so exciting. I'm just going to get out there and tell everybody this is wonderful news. And, and they begin to tell people. And, but the first challenge they get, they're like, oh, oh. Um, oh, maybe, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it, it wasn't as clear as what I thought it was. And then, and then they come back and they listen again and, and then they go out and they're like, whoa, mine, I'm just so excited and get challenged again. And, and it's like, there's nothing, they're holding it. There's no root to hold it. So that's where we come to with the passage and the disciples get to them and say to Jesus, what's with the stories? And then he says, hey, who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he says, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom. And he's talking about himself. I, I've been given to you, but there are going to be those that do not perceive what is among them. And again, in verse 13 of chapter four, it says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand the other parables? Now, this isn't a denigration. He's not saying to them, oh, you guys are a few sandwiches short of a picnic, really, aren't you? Like, if you can't get this, you dum-dums, you've got Buckley's of getting the rest. He doesn't, he's not meaning that. He's meaning this is a parable about hearing and perceiving and understanding. And so in order to get the other parables, you kind of need to grab a hold of this one. So let me explain it to you. He says, the sower sows the word. And there are the ones along the path where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. 
and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones that hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. So Jesus is telling us about the importance of responsiveness. Here we have the same sower, the same seed, but the soil is all very different. So I want to take us this morning to a bit of a life lesson. And the life lesson is not what Jesus meant by the text. It's just a principle taken from this text, worked into a life lesson, and then we'll segue back into what Jesus was actually talking about. Now, I want to ask the question, what is your responsiveness to a thing? If we were to apply these types of soil to our lives in general, what would you be? To the people in your life, are you like hard ground? You just can't be penetrated. Your life is just walls and barriers and people want to love you and are trying to love you and they want to heal and restore you, but you've just put up so many walls that there's no penetrating that path, that concrete, that, that ground that is just solid. There's no getting anything in there. I want to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis that an amazing friend sent me this week. It says this, There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your, your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. Ouch. Maybe you're watching this or listening to this and in this you recognise yourself. I'm not letting anyone in past the gate, past the drawbridge. It is up and impenetrable. Maybe the Holy Spirit is sparking some kind of life or hope or desire in you today as you're listening to re-engage. And you're like, no, your reaction, your immediate reaction is no, I won't, I won't go there. But the Holy Spirit's just working in your heart even right now. In the book of Ezekiel, twice, a promise is given from the prophet. And it's speaking, he's speaking on behalf of God. And uh, he, this is what he says. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh. Uh, get, remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. This is talking about a people who have been flung far from their homeland. They've been immersed in a culture that is foreign to their own. They've been letting go of the principles and practices that they were brought up on and the generation after generation. And God's saying, if they're willing, I'll bring them back to myself. I'll bring them back to where they're supposed to be. 
and I'll take out that heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh. And that same God this morning to you is saying, the heart of stone doesn't need to stay there. I can give you a living, breathing, beating heart. And to those of you that might be watching and and you've identified yourself, just allow God to birth that hope in you. We're going to pray at the end of the service. But also, maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking of someone and I want to encourage you to have the faith and the hope to keep believing for them and keep hoping for them because God is truly able. Now you might not be there, but you feel yourself slipping there. You feel yourself with this tendency to be harsh or this tendency to shut down suggestions or or comments or anything. You just shut yourself down or shut other people down constantly. You're not generous with your family. You're not generous with your words. You're you're putting up these walls. and, And I want to encourage you, don't let the slip keep going to where you become that impenetrable person that C.S. Lewis talked about. Don't let your heart be hardened. Come back to a receptive, soft, living, beating heart, a heart that is generous in its response. So that's the path. Uh, What about the other? Is, Is your life rich and fertile? Or, or do you just kind of skate along the surface? If anyone asks you how you are, you're like, yeah, I'm great. I'm amazing. I'm awesome. So good. So good. And, uh, and, and you're just indicating a lack of below the surface kind of living. Now, there's nothing wrong with positivity. And obviously in Australia, how are you isn't even a real question. It's more of a greeting. So if you were to unload at that point, it might not be the right thing to do. But I'm talking more about that under the surface kind of life where you're allowing a deep work to happen in you. It's more of, you're not just getting excited all the time and gung-ho because there's some cause that your friend wants to involve you in or there's some event that you've been asked to be a part of or, or a project that you saw in the news. You're like, yes, sign me up because you've got a good heart and you've got that enthusiastic response. But because you haven't allowed the deep under the surface work to happen, you find that you quickly burn out, that you quickly, you're able to commit for a second, but then, then you're not able to commit long term, that you get fired up and excited. But, but because you haven't allowed deep conviction to be pulled in your heart, then, then you let that thing go quickly. It, it, you need to get past the niceties. You need to sink a root down deep so that growing tall is sustainable. Peter puts it like this, and let's face it, Peter should know if you read through the Gospels, Peter's like shooting off his mouth left, right and centre. He's got these kind of surface reactions that never bode well for him. So this is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. He says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now, this is sometimes how I think we feel about this scripture. We feel like God's mighty hand is pressing down on us and keeping us humble and we're doing back-breaking work and we're like, am I humble enough yet? God, we peek around the mighty hand of God. Go, God, have you worked humility in me yet? Am I able to be risen up yet? Are you able to promote me yet? But in fact, the mighty hand of God is a protective hand. The mighty hand of God is coming in and submitting ourselves to His plan and His assignment for our life and saying, God, whatever you want, that's what I want to be a part of. Put me into your plan. Don't you come into my plan and bless my plan. I just want to be submitted under your mighty hand. His mighty hand stretches out to save. His mighty hand stretches out to deliver. We want to be found under the mighty hand of God. Working in us. What is necessary so that when we're lifted up, if we're lifted up, however we're lifted up, there's a root system underneath it to sustain it. And finally, that third type of soil before we get to that beautiful soil, as it relates to our lives, 
Is there too much competition for your attention? The soil is good. There's lots of things flourishing, but there's too much going on. There's all these thorns and thistles and everything and, and the good stuff can't get through. It can't be given room to flourish. It has to compete with everything else that's there. And there's some maths as it relates to economic law and the law of diminishing returns, which is where the profit or benefit gained is, is um, less than the amount of money or energy that's invested into it. Trying to do so much has resulted in you being less effective. Trying to keep up to date with everything means that you haven't kept up to date with anything. And I've got a maths equation for you based on this this morning. The maths equation for you is stop it. Just stop it. Stop trying to do so much. Work out what's important and then get about and do some weeding. Do some weeding. We hear so much. Life was so busy. Now it's so calm. Life will become busy again. Things will compete for our attention again. We need to do some weeding. We need to say what is important to my life, what is important, and then I'm going to do some systematic uprooting of the things that I've accidentally given my life to. Seek first the kingdom and the priorities of the kingdom and the life principles of the kingdom. Not get to the kingdom stuff if there's time at the end of the day because there never will be. First, seek first the kingdom. That should be up there. But you know what else should be up there? Things like family, relationships. You know, you can't say to your kids, look, I know I've been absent largely now that you're 12 for the first 10 years of your life. Uh, but things have been better, right, the last couple of years. And I think that they'll gradually get a little bit better until you leave home. And when you're in your 20s, then I'll be able to give you my full attention because things should be freed up by then. No, you can't do that. You need to decide what is important to you now and then prioritise that in your life. Get to it with some weeding. Imagine your life with a soft and malleable heart that is generous and welcoming. Imagine having allowed the work to go deep beyond the so good surface to prioritise what's truly important. That's a fruit-bearing heart right there. That's a heart that sees 30, 60, 100-fold return on what it puts in. Well, with the ISO, sorry, with the RONA ISO measures, uh, I originally spent a lot of time in my room because my desk was in there and the kids were doing school out in the um, open spaces of home so I had to go in and close the door and you know just to get some fresh air I open the blinds open the windows and we have a street frontage our bedroom does and so there were these people walking past one time these nasty and unreasonable person people they just walked past and uh and and just 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 mean really um, and because of the window situation, it felt like they were in my room talking to me and, and the, the meanest of them all walked past and looked at our lawn and went, Ugh! oh, that's a start over job, that one. They're going to need to spray the whole lot. So I quickly ran to the window and went, yeah, that's right, keep walking. Let me, what's your address? Let me come and judge your lawn. Come on, what have you got to say for yourself? No, I clearly didn't do that, but I did get the bin dye out of the cupboard. I, I watered it down into the watering can and, and I, I, I went and did my lawn. And then someone, a friend of mine was dropping something off and she said, you do realise, Bron, you have to do that before it goes to seed. And I said, oh, and, and now we just have constant bindies trampled through our house all the time. But, you know, there was this drastic measure that needed to be taken. And, and now I can just gradually see the lawn coming through. There's large patches of deadness and, and bindies, yes, but, but there's lawn coming through and I've got a hope for the future. So as we head back, back to the original passage, 
and see what the actual application was meant for our lives. It was talking about the Word of God, the Word of God. It's talking about how our hearts receive the Word of God. To receive the Word that is brought to you, you know, we've never, but there's never been an age like ours where the Word of God comes to us in so many forms through podcasts, through famous preachers, through unknown preachers, through um, so many methods, through songs, through like through the people that, that your care has been entrusted with, through the book. Praise God for the book, that we've got such access to the book itself. Um, but whatever he might quicken to you, let me ask the question as it relates to the word and what Jesus is talking about, what's coming among us, which soil type are you? Are you like as hard as this perspex pulpit? Where, where nothing can kind of penetrate and it might sit on the surface for a little while. There's some seed there and there's some water, but the water just runs off and the seed just blows away with the next wind that comes. And, and you're, you're getting it, but it's just not penetrating. And, and there's some breaking up work that you need to submit yourself to God for, where you say, God, I know it's gonna hurt, but I want that living, beating heart of flesh back. I want to open myself up to the possibility of danger as it relates to loving others. It is your heart, is the soil of your heart rocky and just pulled up too easy where, where you like get to tomorrow and you're like, they, they, it, the, I definitely did hear someone preach yesterday, but what it was about, I don't know. Now, now let me give you a pass. Sometimes I feel like that about my own message the next day. I'm not talking about so much that, that you're not paying any attention, but I just mean that you're not um, valuing and prizing it and saying, Lord, let this be a deep work in me. You're happy just to skate along the surface. Is, is that the, the level of your heart where you're just like, yep, I'll just receive it, receive it, receive it. And then the sun comes and it's just gone again. And, but that's okay because I can go back and get some more and just receive it again. That's not how we're meant to live. It's meant to go deep in us. What about... The soil is really good. The soil is aerated. The soil is ventilated. I, I, sorry, not a gardener. But, but the soil is good. But there's just too much competition for the Word of God coming into your life. You've just got so much going on and, and you relegate the Word of God somewhere back there. And if it pokes up, it will and it can and good on it. But, but you've got all this other stuff going on and you need to do some systematic weed pulling in your heart so that the word of God that comes to you has pride of place and priority? Or are you like that soil that is allowing a seed to come in, to do its work, to, to die, to do whatever it needs to do to then flourish and, and to rely on the living water to come into your life as well? And, and then knowing that even if it doesn't look great now, that that seed is going to burst forth at some point. Is that the state of your heart? You're, you're like receptive, you're expectant that good things are going to come from the Word as it's sown into your life. And let me ask you the question, which do you want to be? Because of course I think we all want to be the latter. Well, in just a moment we're going to pray. This week, through the various studies, we're going to be looking at the mighty acts of Jesus, the calming of the storm, which you know, somewhat familiar where God calmed the uh, coming of the seas, rather, where God calmed the sea, um, way back when. And, and then uh, we look at the casting out of legion into some pigs that then go and get swallowed up by the sea. That's kind of familiar. A legion of military that was opposing the people of Israel that got swallowed up in the sea. And, and then 
the healing of um, a woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, a little girl who was 12 years old, the significance of the 12 and redeeming and restoring and healing the 12, um, which is indicative of something that also happened out in the wilderness. And then he feeds the people. He provides bread for the people in the wilderness, which is also um, somewhat familiar of something that had happened. So that's all stuff that you'll be able to access. But for now, let's just pray for these soil types of our hearts. If you feel like, yeah, my heart has become a heart of stone, then let's pray for you right now. And I ask that you would pray after me. Lord, remove my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. Help me not to go back to my ways of shutting everything down, but let me live with a soft and open, generous heart, Lord. If you are someone who has that heart where it just hasn't done that deep work, it's kind of you feel like you have to skate along the surface. Maybe you even, it's less painful to skate along the surface. Then let's pray this morning. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray for this person who's identified with this soil type. And Lord, I ask that you would just allow things to get a little bit deeper, that you'd break up the rock that's underneath the surface. And and Lord, you would um, put in good things that, that things would come to them that, uh, that, Lord, even in the night, Lord, even while they're sleeping, God, that things would occur to them and, and they'd get this new revelation about the Word and it wouldn't just be thrown off and excitement, but it would be going deep into their lives in Jesus' name. And then finally, maybe you've just got so many things competing and you don't know which ones to get rid of. And in fact, I think that you do know, but you just know it's going to be hard to say no to them. I'm going to pray for the courage for you right now. Lord, I pray for these people. Lord, give them the wisdom to know what's right and the courage to do what's right. I pray that they would have no feeling of missing out as they uproot these things in their lives, but they would put first things first and you would bless it in the name of Jesus. And for all of us, Lord, I pray that we would be soil that allows things to go deep within us, Lord, that we would humble ourselves under your mighty hand so that we might grow and be able to sustain whatever you want to do in our lives. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.